what's happening? It's your boy, Matty G, the low-key OG, and I'm out here with Colby Patnode. We're getting ready to talk about maybe the most tragic week in the history of fantasy sports. We had, it was a war zone out there. I mean, all types of players, all types of star players going down left and right, you know, but we live to see another day. How's it going, Colby? How did how did you fare in week two? Um, yeah, you know, overall not too bad. Uh, I lost a guy on my bench for a game, so really not that bad. Um, went a lot better than Cam's week, I can tell you that much. So, uh, and really Tyler's week. So, all in all, not too bad. Also, uh, ran the table in all my fantasy leagues this week. So, um, it was a, it was a good week, you know, relatively speaking at least. So uh, I can't complain too much. There are people who uh, have a lot more right to complain than I do. So, you, so you, what you're telling me is that you didn't have any shares of Saquon? No, that's I, I did. I, I certainly did. I have, uh, I have a Saquon, a Saquon, <laughs> a share of Saquon in uh, my biggest money league, the uh, the charity league that I'm involved in. You win that league, you win like a thousand bucks. It's a huge league with like. Uh, what is it, 1,200 teams roughly. Uh, so it's kind of a unique format where there's a bunch of little satellite leagues and then you have to you know, win that league to go to the playoffs, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I had, I had my uh, Saquon share in that league. And, you know, that was after I lost Darius Geis uh, because, you know, he's a piece of shit. So, uh, and then Adrian Peterson got cut and he's part of this weird three-headed monster uh, not even a good monster in Detroit. So yeah, that league has not been too pleasant for me, but I did get a win this week despite losing Saquon. So again, I, I can't really complain. And thankfully that's a 12 team league with normal size benches. So I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be struggling like Cam. Oh man. Well, that's the thing too, you know, is that when you have, when you have such a cornerstone piece, uh, you know, I like to call it the platinum chip stud, like a like a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley, who coincidentally, you know, basically the consensus one two in most fantasy leagues this year, and they both go down this early in the season. Um, there's really no there's really no replacing them in the truest sense of the word. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you just you know, that being said, there was a lot of there was a lot of action on waivers, and we will get to that. Um, here, here shortly, but before we do, there were a handful of trades, not as many as, as we talked about on the last pod. So don't worry. These ones also don't have nearly as many moving parts. Um, so it'll be a lot easier. So, so here's sort of the, you know, the guts of the show here. We're going to go ahead and hit these trades that, um, from this last week. And then immediately after that, we'll go straight into waivers and talk about some of the more seemingly consequential or interesting um, acquisitions on waivers this week. So, of course, conveniently, right here, we can go ahead and hit this first trade uh, that we haven't talked about yet, and that would, of course, be a trade that you made with the Russian bot, Isaiah, Mm -hmm. where you acquired uh, Cam Akers in exchange for Deontay Johnson and Steven Sims. So, of course, hindsight's 20-20, and now... You know, a lot of players getting a little banged up or a lot banged up in week two. Uh, Cam Akers, unfortunately, did not make it out of week two 
unscathed, although he still has his ACL intact. But, um, you know, I guess just give me your thoughts when, when you went ahead to, and negotiated this deal with, with the Russian bot and sort of what your thought process was that made you ultimately push the button. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought the reaction to this trade on the chat was interesting. Um, I, I couldn't tell if it was sarcasm or not, but there were, I guess, uh, two or three people that thought they had offered more for Cam Akers last week or something. But uh, this one, honestly, it, it hurt to accept. I, I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Deontay Johnson. Um, I, I think he's, you know, the real number one in Pittsburgh. Uh, but at the end of the day, I like my wide receiver situation more than I like my running back situation. Running backs are extremely difficult to come by. Uh, Russian bot is one of the few guys in the league who has running back depth and, you know, Cam Akers, not the starter there, but I've seen Malcolm Brown play football. I'm not all that impressed. Cam Akers got, I think it was 16 touches in his first week. Uh, I, my hope, obviously, is that he takes that job uh, to some extent, at least. Uh, and like I said, I liked where I was at with wide receiver. Now, you know, Jameson Crowder's going to be out for a couple weeks, so that hurts. But uh, yeah, you know, overall, it was just, it was just, you know, a wide receiver for a running back. So in my mind, that means I have to give a little bit more on the wide receiver side in order to get the running back back. So yeah, it, it hurt to to trade Deontay uh, Johnson, but. Uh, you know, I wanted to take a stab at it. I, I like my two running backs, but after that, I don't know. So I needed to take a, a stab at finding some some talent that I like in a situation that I like, and that was Cam Akers. And, you know, there was a few guys that Russian Bot had that I was interested in, but Akers was kind of the one that, that stood out. Um, and we had talked the week before about a different running back. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of had these uh, negotiations kind of ongoing, I guess you could say. Uh, so the deal came together pretty quickly, but yeah, it's just, like I said, I, I, I really like Deontay Johnson. I know a lot of people in this league do too, but Cam Akers has a chance to be the starting running back on a good offense that runs the ball a lot. So I decided to take the chance and we'll see if it pays off, but, uh, I don't know. I would say medium sized risk for pretty substantial reward. At least that's how I thought of it. Sure. I was going to say, you know, it's funny because one week can change a lot. You know, the the stock um, with players it can it can shift pretty substantially, more than you might think, in just one week. Now, of course, health factors into that quite a bit. But when you when you speak on Deontay Johnson here, and you know he's coming off he's coming off two really nice weeks for the Pittsburgh Steelers and there has been sort of this wave that's been building and building and building where people are, you know, just like you just said, sort of speculating on like, Hey, you know, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here. Maybe we should like Deontay Johnson more than we do, or maybe we should like him even more than Juju. Some people might say, uh, you know, and so anyhow, it's, I feel I, the reason I bring that up is simply is simply just full transparency here. It's really difficult to evaluate a trade um, after the fact with with any sort of you know with any sort of I guess for a lack of a better way of saying it um, credibility. What I mean what I mean to say is is that you know 
the the what I would have said about this deal, you know, when it happened versus knowing what I know now, those might not be exactly the same. But I try to be fair. So here's the deal. You know, we did talk about Deontay Johnson after you drafted him. And and we both agreed that, you know, this is a player that we like and, and he might be somebody who was being overlooked in drafts in, in the summer. Um, I understand why you made this trade. Don't get me wrong. But I guess what I would say is simply just that it's not a move I would have made. That's, of course, just because that's a little bit of a Pittsburgh bias. You know, I, I, I just like their offense a lot this year. But I understand why you made the trade. And, and, I, and for, so from that perspective, it totally makes sense. You know, uh, you mentioned that Cam Akers might not be the starter for the Rams. Well, if Malcolm Brown is the starter, then that's by name only. And I don't really, I don't really care about having the nominal starter for a team. I want the starter in a pragmatic sense. Who's getting the volume? Who's getting the valuable touches? you know, the red zone touches, and so on and so forth, um, or just volume in general. Uh, so it was it was absolutely a shot worth taking, and there's a lot of season left here. So, yeah. you know, we're two weeks in, and I think right. that what you see, recency bias infects this game at every level. It affects the way that it infects, affects and infects the way that people – uh, draft players, whether they're drafting them, well, frankly, drafting them, reaching for players, drafting them way too early based off what they did last year, even though we're not playing football in 2019 anymore. We're playing football. We're playing fantasy football in 2020. Uh, and then you get to the, the new year and you get one week of data and then everyone wants to say, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, Tom Brady's washed. Baker's a bum. You know, Gardner Minshew for MVP. And then you get two weeks of data and it's like, guys, you know, we need to let this stuff accumulate a little bit more. But, you know, that being said, this is this is the most fruitful time probably to make moves. It's just that a lot of what you're seeing right now, you have to be able to discern, you know, what is a mirage and what is something that you can truly bank on. Right. And, you know, I, I just, you know, to add some context to this trade, I probably don't make it if I don't get Russell Gage on waivers the week before. Um, and Gage has been really great for the first two weeks, and now Julio's hobbled. So we'll see. That Atlanta defense is so bad, they're going to have to throw pretty much every down. Um, so I probably don't make this move if I didn't, you know, kind of get a Deontay Johnson-like shot uh, in waivers and then, the open roster spot I got the reason that Sims, I was willing to move Sims. who I also like is because I was looking to pick up a tight end to start that week with Jack Doyle out. I was very thankful that Tyler didn't for lack of a better term, handcuff George Kittle uh, by picking up Jordan Reed for free. I picked him up. I started him, got me two touchdowns and like 80 yards. So, um, you know, that's that, that beautiful. also, yeah, that also kind of factored into my decision to make to pull the trigger on that trade. So um, it all kind of worked out for me at the end, at least for one week. We'll see what happens in the future, but I still like Cam Akers. I just I think he's the most talented guy there. 
Um, so I think ultimately if you're getting 12 to 15 touches in that Rams offense right now, then I'm pretty interested in buying that share. So we'll see what happens, but overall it, it worked out. There was a, a pretty bigger, there was a bigger plan and, you know, more branches off of this trade that, you know, made this trade make more sense in my mind. So, uh, it worked out uh, for one week and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. But I, like I said, I'm pretty happy with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my process. It just, so the results, they take care of themselves. For sure. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, the thing is, is that when it comes to just straight players, you know, Deontay Johnson was a player that we both have, have said that we liked coming into the year, but you mm-hmm. also have to think about positions and yep. like you said, running backs are tough to come by. So if you can get a running back that you think is getting uh, a little bit slept on or is a little bit undervalued, then that's a shot that you take. Um, so I understand it, and I agree with you. You know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to give it some more time, one way or another, before we start to get some clarity on on who quote unquote wins this deal. Um, yeah. Moving on. And I don't actually have the fab number in front of me here, but it's 25 bucks, 25. Okay. So cam acquires Benny Snell from Brian in exchange for 25 fab. Um, a little bit of backstory on this the week before, um, this trade actually went down. Uh, Brian's price was substantially higher than 25 fab. What was it exactly? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, I wasn't part of those negotiations, obviously, but I know that Cam and Brian had been talking for a while, and um, Cam was a little nervous about Benny Snell and James Conner coming out of that first week. But this is this just goes back to what I was just saying about you know about recency bias and about you know just patience. You know, sometimes sometimes you know there's real wisdom. And, and prudence and and being patient and let things develop a little bit and Benny Snell in in 2020 kind of reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brown in 2019 if you can remember I was really outspoken about Todd Gurley's nursing home knee and so in drafts I went out there and just took a little a little hedge bet on uh on Malcolm Brown. Well, week one, Malcolm Brown scored once or twice. I don't remember exactly. He had a nice week, a really nice week. I even got some trade offers for him. Uh, I usually am not good about remembering this kind of stuff. Colby's the one that remembers this stuff, not me. But I do remember this one. Uh, Back, what was it? So post week one, 2019, Stephen Woods sent out a trade offer, one trade offer to every team. And though I specifically recall the offer that he gave me and I almost pushed the button on it, but I didn't. Um, and in retrospect, it makes me look like an idiot, but that's what one week of data will do to you. He offered me, um, for Malcolm Brown, he offered me Michael Gallup heads up, um, last year. So that's sort of the same situation here with Benny Snell. And that's what happens. That's the danger. That's, you know, you're playing with fire when you make deals post week one for players that were not established stars, you know, um, and Cam was patient. He handcuffs James Conner here for, I don't want to call it, you know, the lowest price, 
25 fab is is pretty pretty decent. It's not, you know, I'm sure Brian wishes he could have sold Snell post week one for a lot more than that. But in the end, he'll take it. And I'm sure Cam will take Snell. <laughs> I mean, he did. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, from Cam's perspective, $25 to get a, a high value handcuff. That's, you know, a pretty good bargain. Um, for Brian, you know, I, I'm sure he was, he was trying to sell Snell last week. Um, and he was either unsatisfied with the offers or thought that Snell was, you know, the guy now or whatever it was, probably a combination of the two. And then he comes out in week two and he just kind of, I, I don't know. I feel like Brian maybe should have been a little bit more patient here. Um, because I, I think, you know, Snell is most valuable to Cam because he has Connor. And that's not going to change. So let's. what's the worst case scenario? Connor is the guy for three straight weeks. And then you say, okay, well, Cam, uh, maybe I could, don't get 25 fab, but can I get 15 or something like that for him? Uh, I, to me, it's worth the risk just to hold him for a little while longer, see if anything happens. But I, I certainly, I get it from Brian's perspective. You know, he, he kind of, he tried to be patient and, this particular instance, Connor was good and he got his job back. And so Brian was like, okay, well, I, I don't see any reason to keep him. I'm not going to use him as a backup running back. So I might as well get something for him. I just feel like Brian maybe should have been a little more patient, waited a couple weeks. And at the end of the day, was, was he going to get significantly less? Well, probably I not. I think, I think I agree with everything you're saying here. I think it's a, I think that's a great point. And I think that the one thing you haven't pointed out, though, that I think makes this the you know this is I think the most important factor. Don't put it past James Conner to get hurt again. Yeah, you know, and if and and so that's the thing that you miss here is that if you're Brian and you sold Snell after week two when he was ultimately a zero, uh, you know, and you sold him for twenty five, that's not nothing. You know, 25 fab's not nothing, but it's not mm-hmm. what you would obviously hope for. It'll be interesting to see these next few weeks and as the season progresses, does Connor get banged up again? And if he does, this uh, might be one of those moves that Brian that Brian looks back on and, and he's kind of kicking himself, wishing that, hey, maybe I should have held on to Snell a little bit longer and, and right. been a little bit more patient. Right. Now, what we don't know, obviously, is that this cleared a roster spot for Brian and it also improved his chances to get certain free agents. So we can't exactly sit here and say, you know, Oh, that $25 was clearly going to be spent on free agent X. Um, but in theory it does improve, uh, you know, it doesn't prove Brian's chances to get free agents either this week or down the road. Um, and it clears a roster spot. And, but I mean, I guess unless Brian was ready to cut Benny Snell, which I can't imagine, I probably would have just waited, but I, I get it from Brian's perspective. And like I said, we can't sit here and say, well, that $25 isn't going to matter. Uh, or that open roster spot isn't going to matter. Uh, because we don't know. And, and even Brian can't sit here and quantify what the $25 extra dollars did, uh, to his waivers. Uh, so, um, these, these player for fab trades are always really tough to, uh, to figure out. 
uh, to judge properly. So I get it from both sides. Like I said, if I was Brian, I would probably wait a couple weeks. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's fine. Like it's not, it's not a fatal error or anything. Sure. No, you're right. That's, that's absolutely, that's also a great point. The fact of the matter is, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, but Brian was active on waivers this week. Yeah. And so clearly, you know, clearly Brian was anticipating that, Hey, you know, here, maybe, you know, obviously even this next week, this, uh, this ensuing week here, uh, I want to make some moves on waivers. And, and so I want, I'm going to take this fab money and I'm going to, I'm going to be a player on some of these, some of these bigger names that are going to go in the, in the weekly fab auction. So, Hey, that's a great point that you make as well. I mean, a really interesting move, but a move that makes sense really for both of these guys. That being said though, again, if Connor gets hurt, I mean, Benny Snell is is key but you know what there's also a chance that connor doesn't get hurt and does brian want to you know burn a bench spot camping on on hope apparently not not in this case anyways um and i don't i don't fault him for that well like i said we'll get to his his waiver pickups here shortly um the next move here and i actually i can't recall maybe you'll recall i think there was was there some fab in this deal as well i don't Um, think so Okay, so okay, so I'm mistaken here, but I thought maybe there was. I thought maybe there was some fab on one of these final two deals. But in any case, um, Tyler's involved in two trades, two separate trades. We'll take them one at a time, one with each of the Kersley brothers. So the first one here, Tyler acquires Alexander Madison from Scott in exchange for Nikhil Harry. What are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, just confirm there was no fab involved in this trade. Um, second of all, uh, I like it a lot more for Tyler, uh, than I do for Scott. I get it. Alexander Madison isn't, you know, all that valuable right now, unless you own Dalvin cook, but we also can't pretend that Dalvin cook never gets injured. Um, and that we don't know that Alexander Madison is a pretty, you know, valuable fantasy asset in that scenario. Uh, Nikhil Harry's had what one good game in his career. And it happened to be on Sunday night football against the Seahawks, the game I'm sure Scott was watching, but it, I mean, is that really worth the chance to wake up one, you know, Wednesday afternoon or one Monday after Monday morning or whatever? And see, you know, oh, look, Dalvin Cook's out for four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Alexander Madison's the guy. Well, Tyler, you know, wins. I mean, he gets a top 10 running back in that case for a guy who has played well once in his entire career. Um, You know, I, I think to me, Scott has to believe that what we saw from Cam Newton, like that's it. Like that's who he is and that's who he always has been. And that's who he is going to be for the rest of this year. I have some reservations about that. Uh, so I, I think it just makes more sense for Tyler, to be honest, to pull the trigger on this deal. Tyler gets a potential top 10, 15 running back. Again, somebody has to get hurt for that to happen. So it's not it's not terrible for Scott, but I just I feel like this is a clear win for Tyler. Um, I mean, like I said, Scott's kind of fixed his running back situation, but... 
at the expense of a lot, a lot of the rest of his team. So I get what he's trying to do here. I just, I don't think I would have done this trade if I was Scott. Well, I think, so I think you make a good point here about, about Nikhil Harry this last week against Seattle. But that being said, you know, and I understand it's been two weeks. Okay. But he has 18 targets through, through two weeks. He had 12 against Seattle. He had six the week before against Miami. Now, granted, he, um, he only had 39 yards against the Dolphins. But I think that, I think that Scott's thought here is probably more along the lines of, you know, there's just a really consolidated target tree in, in New England. And so, you know, is Nikhil Harry the best receiver in the world? Is he going to live up to his, to the hype he had his rookie year or even his, his, you know, uh, you know, his draft stock, uh, so on and so forth. Is he going to live up to that? Perhaps not, you know, but for this one year, you might look at this as just sort of, you know, uh, a gamble, a high upside gamble, which is precisely what Alexander Madison is. The difference is, is that Nikhil Harry doesn't need uh, an injury to see meaningful snaps, meaningful targets, and to be productive from a fantasy perspective. So I think that, I don't know that I would necessarily pick a winner. I suppose, I, I really do understand why both teams in this deal were interested. Um, and I suppose from that perspective, you know, I like I like that that Scott was thinking, hey, who could help me that I could, I, you know, because I think, I think Scott's probably thinking, you know, Alexander Madison, I'm going to, I'm going to use his potential. I'm going to flip him for something that could actually bear fruit for me in the meantime. So Scott, I could see him arguing this was a buy low on Nikhil Harry. Um, so it really, it's really just a matter of yeah. how you look at it. You know, um, do I love Nikhil Harry? Do I think Nikhil Harry is going to be, I mean, I think that no one's arguing otherwise. At least I don't, I don't, think anybody is i mean julian edelman is the the top receiver for cam mm-hmm. newton um but i understand the gamble on Nikhil harry i understand buying Nikhil harry it didn't really cost him too much you know again unless dalvin cook gets hurt which could happen but you're absolutely right the thing is is that between zeke and sanders scott set at his top two running backs now that being said and I already know where this is going to go. You know, you can never have too many, you know, productive running backs. You can never have too many. That's a that's a that's what we call a great problem to have. Um, but from Tyler's perspective, with all his injuries and how riddled with injuries his team's been, I mean, the dude is starting Alexander Madison as a second running back this year or this week, excuse me. Right. Um, so. That just that just tells you everything you need to know about <laughs> about the, the state of his running back room. You know his running yeah. back core is they're banged up, um, and not only his running back core. I mean his his squad is you yeah. know the ICU. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's a. I think that this is a another one of those trades that makes sense for both sides. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to say that it was, you know, 
I understand why. I guess I'm just saying I understand why Scott did it. I understand, and and I like it for him. Yeah, I just I've watched Nikhil Harry now for his entire NFL career turn corners like people thought DK Metcalf would be able to turn corners. You know, so he's DK Metcalf minus the freakish size, strength, speed, hands, and even the lateral quickness. If we're being honest, I did the guy looks like he looks like Greg Olson in terms of athleticism. Like he's just a dude. So it's, I get it. He's the number two target in an offense, but I, so what Seattle's able to shut down the new England run game for one week. So now we just assume that new England's not going to be a run heavy team this year. I, I don't buy it. And by the way, James white wasn't playing in this game either. So that definitely, uh, bring something to the table there. So I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I'm not a believer in Nikhil Harry. I don't think he's all that particularly talented to be honest with you. Um, and all I can say is, you know, thank goodness that Bill Belichick decided to take him over DK Metcalf. Uh, greatly appreciated bill and uh, good luck to Tyler and Scott. It's like I said, I, I get why each side made this deal. I just prefer Tyler's side is all. Sure. Sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's actually going to be, from from the perspective of Nikhil Harry, more so than Alexander Madison, it's going to be interesting to yeah. see how much of what we saw this last week is real and somewhat sustainable, or mm-hmm. maybe you're right, and maybe it's more, maybe it's more of a mirage. Um, sure. And the final deal that we have here, Tyler uh, was not done making deals. He went ahead and acquired Curtis Samuel from Brian in exchange for Chase Edmonds. And I don't know about you. Maybe you're going to see this the same as I do. And I'm more than willing to eat crow if I'm wrong about this. For the life of me, I don't understand why Tyler made this move. I, I think that Curtis Samuel is the epitome of... Uh, it's just... It's just fraudulent upside. That's all that it is. It's just it's just fraudulent. It's blatantly fraudulent upside. Um, Chase Edmonds, that upside's very real. Um, and he's a running back. I love this move for Brian. And I am not in any way, shape, or form a fan of this move for Tyler. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um... So I don't have his team pulled up in front of me, but if memory serves, Brian is the owner or he does have the rights. I, I don't, I know we're not supposed to use the word owner anymore in fantasy, but Brian does have Kenyon Drake, if I'm remembering correctly here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a clear handcuff and uh, you know, I, I'm like you, I think Edmonds actually has some, some talent. Uh, I think if I'm going to guess here, total speculation my guess is is that Tyler is thinking that Curtis Samuel is going to get some of the work that Christian McCaffrey would normally get. Um, Samuel's pretty versatile, you know. He's quick. He can kind of play that same scat back type of role. So my guess is is that Tyler says, "I have Mike Davis as to kind of take over the running duties of Christian McCaffrey, but I think the receiving duties are actually going to belong to Curtis Samuel." Uh, that would be my guess. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think Brian got the better player here. I think he got the better value. Um, 
I, I like I said, it's it's not like a fatal error or anything for, on Tyler's part, um, but yeah, it just I, I'd rather have the the if the running back and the wide receiver are close in terms of like where they were drafted, like or just value overall, I probably prefer the the running back here. So um, yeah, Brian gets his handcuff for pretty darn cheap, and he's got to feel good about that. And from Tyler's perspective, like I said, he's he's trying to figure out a way to uh, to replace Christian McCaffrey, and there's not a lot of options out there for him to do that. So uh, he already has Mike Davis. So I guess if he's thinking that Curtis Samuel is going to be like the third down running back now, then I, I can understand his logic to a degree. I mean, all I have to say is this: I don't really see how this is much different from the trade that we talked about earlier where Brian sold Snell for fat. Yeah. And, and, and I think your analysis in that deal was spot on, which is, you know, that, that cam has Connor, that's not going to change. So why not be patient? You know, why not be patient, you know? And so if I'm Tyler, okay, I know that Brian has Kenyon Drake, that might actually change because we all know how much Brian likes to right. make trades. But, but at the moment, yeah, yeah, somebody, somebody's gonna have Kenyon Drake, and that person is gonna be the one who values Chase Edmonds the most, probably. And if that's the case, then why would you, why you know, why not wait till you actually get a a really meaningful return, you know? Or at least maybe you could maybe you could work a deal where you you add the cuff in there in a package where you can actually yeah. get something of real value as opposed to as opposed to Curtis Samuel. I don't know, man. Like I said, that's in my view, I just feel like I just feel like what did we learn this week from from the trades? Y'all are not taxing for cuffs at all <laughs> y'all couldn't be more y'all couldn't be more eager to sell a cuff you know cuffs are going for cuffs are going for you know for nothing you know i feel like i feel like brian's 25 dollar return 25 fab dollar return on connor was better than what than what tyler got here but uh, just one man's opinion please curtis samuels please Prove me wrong. I'll be, I'll be, I won't be watching actually. I'm not trying to watch that sorry ass football team, but, <laughs> but I'll be checking the box score. There you go. But time for the real action here. Everybody, I'm everyone, you know, I'm sure they're waiting for it. They want to hear us talk about waivers this week. There was a lot of action. You had to know it was coming after the, after the war Carnage. zone. Yeah, after the carnage of week two, you had to know that there was going to be some action on waiver wire Wednesday. So we'll just go ahead and hit it right from the top. And uh, let's talk about Justin Herbert. Yep. Justin Herbert goes to Max's team for 100 fab. Everything. Max takes all of it and throws it on Justin Herbert. And... If you follow along on the league chat, I've already said a lot, and there's some there's some questions, some lingering questions, and 
whatnot. And I decided that I would wait until I, I got on here and, um, and was and was talking with you and breaking it down before I kind of, you know, had a forum to sort of explain my thoughts and, and, and so forth. So first things first. And this is great because since it's a podcast format, uh, you know, I can speak my piece and I don't have to worry about, oh, Scott's typing. What does he have to say next? What does he have to say next? Okay, well, let me let me talk, okay? Because the, here's the deal. Max says, this is before we know anything about Tyrod Taylor getting his lung pierced through an injection for his ribs. And, you know, this is before we knew any of that. Max says, you this is paraphrasing, you'd have to be a fool to think that Tyrod Taylor is going to step on the field again this season. And I said, you hope. You, you, you better hope because you just <laughs> threw the Benjamin. You threw the whole bag. The whole bag. Not part of the bag. The whole bag. You just threw it at Justin Herbert. And all I, all we, all we can speak on is what we know in a given moment. What do we know in a, in that given moment? What we know is, is that the Chargers drafted Justin Herbert to be their quarterback in the future, but they did have Herbert and Tyrod in the building together and they decided they were going to go with Tyrod. And there has been multiple occasions throughout this offseason where Anthony Lynn said that we're not going to see we're not we're not going to see Herbert this year. Uh, unless the season is lost. Unless we feel okay, we're not going to make the playoffs. Might as well see what we have in this young kid. Let's get him his reps. So Justin Herbert doesn't know that he's starting for the Chargers against the Chiefs until just before kickoff. Because, of course, how could he have known that? It wasn't, it wasn't the game plan. It wasn't in the plan for, for Tyrod Taylor to get his lung pierced. Okay? So Herbert goes in against the Chiefs, has a nice game. I haven't said anything but that. He did have a nice game. Wasn't a perfect game, but hey, he's a rookie. Um, and in fairness, in full transparency, if we're all gonna if we're all gonna play this game where we're trying to be fair, the Chiefs' defense is not the most immaculate defense in the league itself. You know itself, it's not. It's just not. So not to diminish Herbert by any stretch, but I also I feel like a lot of people are acting like he did this against Pittsburgh or he did this against Baltimore. He didn't. He did it against Kansas City. They play defense a lot like Seattle does. Their team plays a lot like Seattle does, where they're at least at least the way Seattle has this year, where they're gonna try to, uh, they're gonna, they want to race you on the scoreboard. They're they'll let you score, uh, but they're gonna score more than you. Uh, that's what Kansas City has been doing for years. So and it works because Pat Mahomes is so amazing. But nonetheless, so so people say, first of all, there's a lot of conversation about, oh, but Matt, you threw 67 fab, you threw 67 fab at Justin Herbert, so what's that about? And I said, hey, it's called price enforcing. Also, I wanted to make sure that Cam didn't get him, and Cam was confused about that. 
So let me explain. Uh, this week I play Cam, and I'm going to be completely honest here. I'm not saying Max is crazy for throwing 100 fab at Justin Herbert, because I don't think he is crazy. Bef- um, before waivers processed, there was a period of time there where I had a $100 bid on Justin Herbert. And I also have the number one waiver priority, so I would have gotten him. Um, I wasn't sure about how much Brian and TJ might throw at Herbert. And the other thing was, I was sitting here and I was thinking to myself, I don't want to have no fab. I don't want to have my hands tied as far as being a player in on waiver wire Wednesday is concerned. This early in the season? On the basis of speculation, no thank you. And then and then equipped with the information that we had at the time, which is Anthony Lynn saying that Tyrod is their guy, if, if, assuming health. I was like, what, what, you know, am I going to take the risk of throwing 100 fab at a quarterback, not being a player in free agency for the next three months at all, and watch this guy get, you know, relished back to being a bench warmer. I mean, that just feels foolish to me. So then I thought to myself, okay, well, I would like to make sure he doesn't go for free, though. And I, it would be nice if he if he couldn't get used against me this week. Because Justin Herbert gets the cupcake matchup of the Carolina Panthers this week. So Cam says, oh, I wouldn't start him over Rodgers or Burrow. Hey, man, all I'll say is this. I wouldn't start him over Rodgers either, but it might not be crazy to see Justin Herbert outscore Joe Burrow this week. I wouldn't be surprised. So I just didn't want to take that risk. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this quarterback. Here's the other thing, too. Is like it, it never hurts to have that third quarterback if you want to play matchups. And so I, I don't know. I thought maybe Cam would would uh, maybe be an aggressive player on Justin Herbert. But I was wrong. And in the end, he goes to Max for 100. So I hope that clears up some of the questions. I could talk more. But um, I guess I'll, I'll give you the floor now. And you could, say, you could say, you know, your thoughts on Max, you know, throwing all his fab on Justin Herbert and, and what you expect from Justin Herbert in the Chargers quarterback situation moving forward. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, I would like to say that I would fire Anthony Lynn tomorrow. Uh, if I was the, actually I would have fired him a couple days ago if I was the owner of the chargers. Um, because he went out of his way to, uh, more or less bash his rookie quarterback who just played quite well against the defending world champions. Um, so first of all, yeah, you can't do that. Uh, the decision not to go for it on that fourth and one, that was awful. That was stupid. Um, but those are real life. Uh, you know, from, that's from a real life standpoint here. Um, to me, Max spending a hundred dollars on this guy. That's fine. Like I had a, what I thought was a pretty healthy bid. It turned out to be like sixth highest, but only by a couple of bucks. Uh, behind you and uh, you and I think Steven were right there in the same range. So uh, yeah, so I I was interested in him. Uh, I think it makes sense for Max too, because you know, his second quarterback is 
Nancy Reagan. So uh, bingo, and that's it. That's it yeah. right there. That's a very very important point. Right. Uh, my thing is, and this is what I would say is, I honestly I don't understand. I I don't understand why TJ didn't win Justin Herbert uh, because he has the means to do it. I agree. Has, 100% agree. He 100%. Has, he has the most fab TJ also has one of the weaker rosters in this league. I would say right now. Um, and also his quarterback too is Daniel Jones. TJ for him not to throw down a hundred and one dollars uh, which would have won him the player to get a third quarterback who would also assume he plays well. We know there's interest in him. Clearly nine teams bid on him. I mean, it's, it's officially nine, but come on, Cam, really $5. Really? <laughs> so uh, let's call it eight more than either way, more than half the league wanted this guy. You could have gotten him immediately put him on the trade block and had one of the more valuable pieces because everybody wants that quarterback. And, or you could have tried and traded Daniel Jones for that matter. Uh, especially if, so I, I just don't get, if TJ was willing to go $87 on Herbert, why weren't you willing to go 101? Agreed. That's so a, that's I, a great point. I don't really understand TJ's logic here. Maybe it would have taken more than 101. I don't know. Um, if you were the second highest with a hundred, this, you know, before all this money got spent, I feel like Tyler had a pretty good amount of money, uh, coming into this week. So maybe it would have taken more than one Oh one. Uh, you know, at least TJ would think well, it would Brian, take more than one. Brian had a lot of fab and he was, he was very outspoken, uh, leading into waiver wire Wednesday that he was going to be an aggressive player on Herbert. Right. So again, I just, I still think TJ had more than anybody, though. I might be misremembering. No, you're Money's right. Off the... You're right. You're 100% right. He's got over right. 200 fab. Right. So for me, what's the point of having all that fab if you're not going to spend it on Justin Herbert, the Justin Herberts of the world? There's a good chance that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback to become available, you know, via free agency, because most of the good ones and most of the backups that are worth anything are owned already. So I just don't understand why TJ wouldn't be more aggressive than he was. And I mean, $87 is aggressive. I'm not, it's, it was the second highest bid, but there's literally nobody who could have stopped you. And you had an opportunity to have a golden trade ticket to improve the rest of your team. And you didn't. So I, I really, I don't understand why TJ wasn't more aggressive here for max. I think it makes total sense. Um, I, I think it makes sense for anybody, really. Uh, I just, so for me, my biggest takeaway from the Herbert, uh, you know, there are three takeaways from the Herbert sweepstakes or whatever you want to call it. Cam, why would you waste your time bidding $5 on a guy you know everybody wants? That's not even price enforcing. You just wasted your, you just wasted time. He just like, wanted his name on the list too. I, I like Justin Herbert to you guys. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, what a, what a wasted bid from Cam. Uh, second, uh, TJ should have been the one to win Herbert. I, I I don't think there was there should have been anything that stopped him from winning it. Um, so I think that was a mistake on TJ's part. And third, I'm a little mad at myself 
because I had just I was going to pick up Justin Herbert last week. I have the canceled waiver claim on my phone right now. I could show anybody who wants evidence. I was going to pick him up last week. He, after I made that trade where I had the open roster spot, I had a couple of waiver claims out. But I prioritized Jordan Reed over Justin Herbert because I needed a t- I needed a, a tight end for that week. And so Herbert was number one on my priority. So I take Herbert, my, or I'm sorry, uh, my take Reed. Herbert's waiver claim is canceled because I no longer have the open spot. And then, of course, Terod Taylor is an emergency scratch. And now Herbert's, you know, the toast of the town. So uh, those are my three big takeaways from the Justin Herbert uh, sweepstakes. Fair enough. I actually, so real quick here, this is just a quick side tangent, but I just want to, I just want to hit this real quick. Did you read the conversation that I had with Scott the other morning about Tyrod Taylor? No, I, I, I think I saw snippets of it, but okay, that's fair. That's fair. If you didn't read it, I, it was, it was what it was, TLDR. it was a lot TLDR. I get it. Uh, but here's the thing. So just two things I wanted to throw out here real quick. First of all, because most people probably don't even realize this. I just want to make it clear. He starts talking about Tyrod and basically insinuating that he's just not he's just not all that good and Herbert's definitely better than him. And it's like, how could you know that? We've seen one game from Herbert. And so I said, are you ready for the big facts, Scott? I said, the last time that we saw Tyrod Taylor as a starter for a full season was in Buffalo. Okay, uh, 2015, 2016, and 2017. He started 14, 15, and 15 games those three seasons. Okay, fantasy finishes of QB 16, QB 9, and QB 17. And so I said, the bottom line is, I understand that's just fantasy. Okay, that's just fantasy and just fantasy points. But why was he able to do that? It was on the basis of the fact that he takes care of the football. Tyrod does not throw a lot of interceptions. And he's a prolific rusher. Mm-hmm. And I said, Tyrod is better than probably anybody thinks that he is when you just hear his name. It's not his fault that he went to Cleveland. They drafted Baker Mayfield. And he was just there to warm the seat for Baker right quick before they just pull Tyrod and throw Baker in there. Okay. That's for, that's, that's first off. Uh, and that's before we even get into the fact that that was a Hugh Jackson coached Cleveland team. Um, then you talk about, you know, this year with the chargers last year, he's sitting behind Phillip rivers. So you knew he wasn't going to get a chance this year. Who would have ever thought that he was going to have his lung punctured by an injection for a, a rib injury, you know? I mean, he's had a lot of really strange circumstances that have kept him from starting since his tenure in Buffalo. So what's Scott's response to all of this? He has the audacity to tell me that I'm cherry-picking stats to fit my narrative. What? What, what, what did I cherry-pick? I didn't manipulate anything. I'm just telling you facts. That's all I'm telling you is that I've got three seasons of Tyrod taking care of the football and playing playing decent decently well. He's not a he's not a superstar, but decently well. 
And by the way, 14-team super flex like we play in, QB 16, QB 9, and QB 17, that puts Tyrod, assuming he could repeat stats in that range, that puts him in that low-end QB 1, high-end QB 2 territory. So for what it's worth, just throwing that out there. But none, uh, none go ahead. No, I was just going to, I think both of these things need to be, or at least one of these things need to be said. Now, remind me here, because I often get this confused. Which one of the Kersley's brothers is a big fan of Oregon? Uh, both of them are. Both of them are. Okay. So might that come into play here for Scott? Well, that's uh, probably, that's probably the actual fact here. And I'm sure right. they would say, uh, well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. And just just for the record, Matt, who owns Tyrod Taylor in this league? I do. Okay. I just wanted to put those both out there. Sure, but here's the deal. I don't hate Justin Herbert because he was an Oregon Duck. And I'm, and that's sort of the counter argument here is like, well, Matt, you graduated from UW. You're a Husky. You hate the Ducks. So, of course, you're going to be biased against Justin Herbert. I'm not biased against Justin Herbert. The only thing that I ever said about Justin Herbert was – that we've he's we've seen him for one game. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. I've seen Tyrod Taylor for multiple seasons, and he's been a more than serviceable quarterback. I think Justin Herbert could go on to have a really nice career, but I don't know that. Nobody knows that. Um, and that's that's my whole point here. I you know, I just I I'll I'll leave it at this, Scott. Please, I would love, I would love you to tell me what stat I was supposedly cherry picking, because I'm not BSing you when I say I try really hard to be fair. So just let me know where I was not being fair. I would greatly appreciate that. Let's move on. Moving on, we've got a few more players here. Surprisingly, uh, some quarterbacks, some you know, some names that you might not you might not have even expected us to be discussing today. So, um, so I'll, these are the rest of these will be a lot quicker than than the Herbert conversation. But let's talk about Jeff Driscoll. Okay, do we Case, have to? Uh, we do. We do. Casey okay. adds Jeff Driscoll um, for thirty-seven fab, um, which was the High bid by not quite, not quite a country mile, but it was pretty substantially the the high bid here. Tyler was the second highest bid at ten dollars. Um, I'm not exactly sure if at the time that Casey made this bid, if we had as much clarity on how many weeks that the Broncos were going to be missing Drew Locke. We now know um, that it's going to be at least three weeks. Um, and I think that there, I've read somewhere, there's some speculation. He might sit out through the buy. So unless that's changed, um, it looks like the latest update here says that they didn't put him on IR because they believe he has a chance to return in less than three weeks, but that's a chance. I mean, we'll see I, who knows. Can't can't fault them for being optimistic, but you know, the guy has a a rotator cuff injury. So, um, 
Yeah, that's kind of that kind of important when you're uh, when you're Throwing quarterback. things for a living. Yeah. yeah. Um. So your thoughts on on Jeff Driscoll to Casey for thirty seven fab? Uh, I thought it was interesting that Casey bid on Driscoll, but he didn't bid on Herbert. Um, thought that was kind of a interesting choice there. Um, I also like of all the guys to go hard after Jeff Driscoll, I didn't think Casey would be one of them considering he has Jared Goff and Drew Brees and he already has Nick Foles. And I think you and I both think that at some point Nick Foles is going to take that job. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, the overall bid is a bit of a surprise, but it's really tough to, you know, judge these, these bids when they're, you know, substantially over what everybody else does because we're all just guessing. Um, Casey clearly likes Jeff Driscoll more than anybody in the league. I, I don't, I, I think he's a bad quarterback. Um, but we know that bad quarterbacks can still be fantasy relevant. So, uh, if something happens to lock or it gets worse or whatever, then yeah, Casey probably has a decent trade chip here. Um, will he actually trade him? Who knows? But, uh, I just, yeah, I, I really don't have much to say about Jeff Driscoll. The fact that Jake, uh, only put in a $7 bid when he's going to watch this guy play for, you know, the next what three weeks at least, uh, says a lot to me. And also, so do the numbers, and so do my eyeballs. Jeff Driscoll's not a good quarterback. Also, shout out to Cam for throwing down the same amount of money on Jeff Driscoll that he was willing to pay for Justin Herbert. So, you know, stay consistent, Cam. That a boy. Yeah. Hey, Scott, if you if you want somebody to get angry um, angry at for, for the whole Herbert thing, maybe look at your boy Cam. Disrespecting <laughs> Herbert by putting him in the same category with fab value as one Jeffrey Driscoll of the Denver Broncos. I don't know, man. Here's the deal. I don't know anything about Jeff Driscoll. That's that's the long and the short of it. I don't know that really hardly anybody knows anything about Jeff Driscoll. Is he uh, worse than Drew Locke? Yeah, I would say he probably is. Um, can he be productive from a fantasy perspective? I mean... Tim Tebow was. That's... That too, but that too. But I think that they've got some interesting young weapons over there in Denver, and I know they just lost lost Cortland Sutton, um, sure. but they still have uh, they still have an interesting cast of young weapons around Driscoll. And I think that the the point that you made that's most important here is that you know what if something happens to Locke through his recovery and he aggravates it or whatever i mean maybe Driscoll ends up being a starting quarterback in the NFL for a little bit longer than than we sort of initially anticipate here and if that's the case even though Casey outbid the competition by quite a bit um, that might that 37 might actually end up looking like a value um I mean, at it's the end possible. of the day, it's a starting quarterback in the NFL. And in Superflex, we all know that those guys need to be owned. And frankly, uh, so do a handful of the really competitive backups. So um, I agree. I didn't anticipate Casey being a, uh, an aggressive player on Driscoll. But I'm sure he probably thought, you know, I know that, I know that Herbert's going to go for – 
the mother load. Driscoll is going to be more of a budget option. So that was, that was probably his thought process. And if that was his thought process, I can respect that. Um, the next one to talk about here is Deion Lewis. And that is actually the free roster spot that Kersley, Brian Kersley freed up um, in his deal with, with Cam for Snell. He goes ahead and throws 35 fab at Deion Lewis and wins the bid there. Um, with the second high bid being Tyler at 25. So pretty much he takes the fab that Cam gives him in that deal, adds 10 to it, and gets Deion Lewis, who is a running back that he doesn't have to wait for an injury because it already happened. Um, well yep. played. Well played by Brian. Even though I know that they signed Devonta, coincidentally, Devonta Freeman also on Brian's team. Brian's team, yep. Hey, but you know what? It's all good uh, because, you know, Cam may have lost Saquon Barkley, but he's got that Wayne Gallman share just lined up, ready to go. Um, I guess to be fair to Cam, he he did try to get Deion Lewis by throwing out a $9 bid. Um, what are you doing, Cam? I mean, come on, man. Uh, Tyler probably could have used him. Uh, we know Tyler's hurting at running back right now. Uh, so it's not surprising to see him throw out a pretty aggressive bid. Uh, kind of similar to me to TJ should have bought Justin Herbert. I feel like Tyler or Cam should have bought Deion Lewis. Um, I'll say at least Tyler tried. Uh, Cam, again, just kind of threw a cursory offer out there. Um, I just like, seriously, what what's up with that, man? What's up with that? So, uh, yeah, Brian adds to his, you know, his running back stable of, you know, bad running backs, but they are running back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, there's really not much to say. I, I don't think Deion Lewis is all that good. Um, and I think the giants probably agree because they went out and they signed the guy who's been sitting on the streets for the first couple of season or first couple of weeks of the season. So. I, I, I mean, there, I don't have much to say. It's, I, I don't think it's an outrageous price. I just think it's it's kind of silly that the two guys who needed him most didn't get him, and sure. one of them didn't even try. Well, one person who does have a lot to say is one of those guys, Cam. And if we know anything about Cam, we can count on him to explain to you why he threw a $9 bid on Dion Lewis after he lost Saquon Barkley. So Cam, we await your explanation on the league chat. Um, moving on, Russian bot. He wins the bid for Drew Sample, which I was impressed. There was seven people who were players on Drew Sample and the second high bid by some peculiar, <laughs> peculiar. So I guess to build off of the the sort of the narrative you're you're kind of laying out here, Cam puts five dollars on Driscoll and Herbert, nine on Dion Lewis, who he could really use. He threw twenty seven at Drew Sample. I yeah, don't know when he when he has. Let's see. Uh, tight end one and tight end two. He has the top two tight ends 
standard scoring. So three and four in full point PPR. So we don't fall into either category, but he has the two top tight ends in fantasy through two weeks. So yeah, I mean, maybe that's going he, to change. Maybe he just figured there would be a, a market for this player and he could sell him. I don't know. I'm not sure, but probably, I mean, I would have to assume that's the case, but again, Cam, I have to ask, what are you doing, man? You need running backs and you could have used that. You could have used that uh, quarterback to actually go and try and get something. And it well, said your, your, your big ball, your big baller move is to go get tight end three for you. Like that's, you know, after he watched drew sample on Thursday night, filling in for uh, an injured out for the season, uh, Uzoma and drew sample gets nine targets and turns those into seven receptions for 45 yards. You know, he was just licking his chops and he was ready to strike. And, yeah, sure. and so, and so, so was that. So was Isaiah. So was the Russian bot. And the difference here is, is that, uh, the Russian bot could really use him. And, um, so I think, uh, uh, really solid buy here for Isaiah and just kind of, mm-hmm. sur- I guess I was just kind of surprised that, that um, there was such interest in Drew Sample. Uh, I wasn't really second round pick last year that Bengals team's probably going to be down by quite a bit. So we've already seen Burrow throw like a thousand times through two games. Um, so I get it again, tight end so bad. Uh, that you kind of have to take a chance on anybody, which is kind of what we see with the next the next bid too. So exactly right, yeah, that's a yeah. perfect seamless transition to Mo Ali Cox, who goes to Jake Smith for twenty three. Really close bid this time. Yeah, yeah, and the Russian bot was right there at twenty two, so he was trying yep. to get all the all the tight ends, but um, Jake Smith escapes with with Mo Ali Cox in this situation, and another team that that really needed some help at. A tight end and it makes sense for Jake to pick him up because he currently is sitting on on Trey Burton on his bench waiting for him to return from IR so yes and Cam's favorite player uh, uh, Rudolph Kyle Rudolph is That's... also on his bench so <laughs> um, yeah it makes total sense for for Jake and it makes total sense for Isaiah and uh, yeah th- those were good bids I mean I, I don't really have much to say about that surprisingly cam was not a player on mo alley cox is it that surprising <laughs> really hey he was he was very interested in drew sample but he must have missed the colts game i, I, can only, I guess i can but, only assume but we're like an hour six into this pod so and we talked about cam for like 10 minutes of it so let's jump ahead let's sure let's... okay so quick hitters here we only have a handful a more really kind of somewhat interesting um, ads here. So I want to touch real quick on Scott adding Keelan Cole for $17. Um, mm-hmm. Cam was the second highest bidder on Cole at 12. Of course he was. Actually, there was more? multiple $12 bids there, yeah. Isaiah as well. Um, Brian, oh, I'm just going to hit these real quick, and if any of these pop out, let me know. Brian adds KJ Hamler for 10 fab. Um, second like highest that. bid was me at seven. Um, and then Derek, uh, adds Traquan Smith for six fab. Cam was the second highest bidder there at five. Um, sure, sure. and then I guess I would just say real quick. I also wanted to mention, uh, Tyler adding Nick Mullins for a buck. 
no no competition there. He just gets Mullins for a dollar. Um, yep. Does it, any of I those like that one. any of those ads stand out to you? Yeah, I like the Nick Mullins pickup um, for a buck, especially since Tyler owns you know Jimmy G. So it sounds like Jimmy G is probably going to miss just one week, but if he doesn't, Tyler's got the built-in quarterback right behind him, um, and he got him for a buck. So uh, the other thing that kind of stands out is, you know, once again. Cam's cursory $5 bid. Um, Cause you know, when you have to get the guy with blazing speed that goes along with drew Brees's rocket arm, you have to spend as much on him as you were willing to spend on Justin Herbert. So yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, I, I also do like uh, the KJ Hamler pickup uh, in particular and uh, Keelan Cole. Yeah. I, I think these are all relatively solid pickups and, reasonably priced so I, I really i don't have all that much to say about any of them yeah no, i think i thought all those ads were, were were great as well from the standpoint that you know they're really interesting players and you didn't have to break the bank for them so um yeah i like i like all those um pickups and then just real quick this morning what processed was um jeffrey wilson for three dollars like that uh, and tj had a, a bid that a zero dollar bid trying to sneak him through and then um uh, I added Denzel Mims for zero and Scott mm-hmm. added RG three for zero. Um, yeah. Uh, I like, I, I like the Jeffrey Wilson pickup. Uh, and again, I just have to ask TJ, what are you saving two hundred two fab for this guy? Who's probably a starting running back this week, whatever. Or at least he's definitely going to get, you know, a lot meaningful of touches. touches. Yeah. So I, again, TJ, what are you saving this money for my man? But whatever. I'm not going to tell you how to run your team. Fair enough. Uh, predictions for this week's Seahawks game. I mean, it's the game of the week. So just give me a final score prediction. Off the top um, of the head. Man. Um, 45-42. Seattle. Whoa. Like, it's like I- that? I I mean, have you seen anything from Seattle's defense to make you think they could stop Dak? But both teams in the forties. Yeah, I, I I think quarterbacks are feasting this year. There's no crowd noise. Um, you know, again, the Seahawks secondary has been pretty suspect. Uh, now they face a, a very similar um, passing game to what they see in Atlanta. Um, and now, granted, a lot of that is because they were up by so much that they're p- playing soft coverage. Um, but you know, I also saw Cam Newton dice him up with Nikhil Harry, who is pretty well documented by now. I don't like at all. Uh, so yeah, I think Seattle's going to have to score some points. Uh, Seattle also lost, you know, their nickel corner and Marquise Blair, and they lost sadly one of their better pass rushers and Bruce Irvin, uh, and also their starting strong side linebacker. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a shootout. I, I think this has kind of the vibes of that. Uh, game what was it two years ago maybe three years ago when houston came to town and it was oh, just back and forth between watson and russell yeah. and then russell wins it at the last second th- i believe that touchdown pass was to jimmy graham um so yeah it kind of has that feel for me i could easily see dallas walking away with this one but dallas's defense is so slow and if you're a slow defense seattle is going to eat you alive so i i i would not i would not be shocked if this was this year's Kansas City versus LA Rams. Dude, I, I think this is going to be 
just an incredible game. It's going to be game of the week. If you just look at the slate of games this week, I have it as game of the week. I'm not I'm not quite as bullish on this game from a scoring standpoint as you are. I do think there will be a lot of points. I'm not ready I'm not ready to forecast 40 plus for each squad. Uh give me the Seahawks by a final score of 34 to 27. Ooh, okay. Yeah, no, I, so you're you're taking the Seahawks to uh to cover then because the line I think is at three and a half. Yeah, I, I, I like the Seahawks to cover. I think I'm probably taking Dallas in my pick 'em, but it's it's close. If it's if it's four and a half, I'm definitely taking Dallas. Three and a half. But yeah, it, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of fantasy points scored in that uh, particular matchup. So um if you have Seahawks or Cowboys, you're probably starting them anyways, but Free piece of advice, start them. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one, man. Hell yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that being said, I would just like to say, uh, you know, I will be on the – I will be in the voice the voice lounge on Sunday, um, probably a little bit after 9. So if you log in to Sleeper and see the little one or whatever by the microphone, feel free to come by and say what's up. Um, Otherwise, um, I don't have anything. Is there any closing closing remarks? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, I I don't want this to sound condescendingly condescending because it's not trying to be. Um, but for all you guys who lost like a serious player for at least a couple weeks or the next week, and that you know, Tyler and Cam certainly jumped to mind right away. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry that you guys kind of got screwed by the fantasy gods or whatever you want to say. Um, but I, I know you guys will keep fighting and, uh, I know you guys are going to, uh, you're not going to roll over, which is more than I could say for Kyle. So, uh, congratulations on that. We See, had, now that's not, if that was condescending to anybody, it was Kyle. I want to make that very clear. And he'll never He's not even it. listening to this. I know. So, I mean, you could send him this clip. Uh, it, we can clip this. Yeah, tell, <laughs> I could send him the link. Scroll to the end. Yeah, minute, fifth, minute, ten, minute 12-ish and listen to the end. <laughs> there you go. Or hour 12, sorry. All right. Well, with that being said, um, this is the Omega-3 Poppy, Maddie G., with Colby Patnode signing off, uh, you know, get your omega threes, and as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>